This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas today. Also, Richard is here with Cruise News. Uh, don't forget a couple more videos up on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel, so be sure to check that out. Also, our our cruise radio news or daily news briefs Monday through Friday, quick 90 second hits of the news that's available on the cruise radio news feed. So separate from this one, but if you're interested in that, just type in cruise radio news and however you listen to your podcast and you'll find it there or I'll link it in the show notes below. All right. Richard Sims is here with cruise news. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Four Carnival cruise ships, three new home ports. What do you have? Yeah, and this is a big deal, especially for people who are at those ports. It gives them new ships to be able to sail. So the Carnival Horizon and Carnival Magic are both now being based in Miami. Carnival Breeze has moved over to Port Canaveral, and Carnival Vista is in the, in Galveston, Texas. So there's a lot of different um, options there, and they're also they're mostly doing uh, Caribbean itineraries, but. This gives people who are in that area more options, and it also makes it a little bit easier if you happen to be within driving distance. That's Carnival's new big thing is they really want to promote how close they are to uh, – how close you are no matter where you are in the country to a port that you can drive to easily. This came out on Tuesday. Uh, Norwegian Cruise Line increased their drink package again, but, I mean, did they really increase it? Technically, they really increased it. Uh, it went from $89 a day per person, <clears throat> excuse me, $89 per person per day to $99 per person per day. So it's basically $100 per person per day plus the 20% gratuity that's automatically tacked on. Now, that's a lot of money, obviously, especially when you compare it to some of the other lines, which run more like around $50, $60 a day. But here's the thing. The reason, Norwegian, the reason Norwegian does this is they give away the drink package as part of their promotions. You can, When you book a room, uh, you have various perks that you can pick, and one of them is the free, quote-unquote, free drink package. So by doing this, they're able to promote that they're saving you hundreds and hundreds of dollars because they're giving you the free drink package. So the higher they price that drink package, the more of a bargain it seems like, the more it seems like they're giving you something. Most people on Norwegian cruise ships who want a drink package don't buy it. They get it as as one of the promotional perks for booking. When I sailed Norwegian Star last year in the Med, the hotel director told me that around 80% of the ship had the beverage package. But it makes sense because... You have the beverage package, or you can get 250 minutes of internet. I mean, like, come on. What's the better deal here, right? Exactly. The other options include things like, you know, you can get a certain amount of money on shore excursions. Yeah, but you can get um, the dinner package. You can get some Wi-Fi minutes. But you compare any of those things to the drink package, especially at that price. You know, you're looking at if you were to buy this drink package, it would be over $800 for a seven-day sale. So, yeah, most people aren't buying that. They're getting it as one of the perks. Now, but they're giving you the drink package, but you're you're paying – if you choose the drink package option, you are paying like a gratuity, right? Right. You pay – I believe it's $19.80 a day okay. is the gratuity. So for your typical seven-day trip, it's going to cost around $136. <laughs> I like how you have that like pinpointed down to the cent. I love it. Well, let's just face it. I um, I do this math because <laughs> I'm a big fan of drink packages. I, if, it, if I can't get a drink package, I'm not going on the trip. 
So it looks like our buddy Clive Palmer, the Australian billionaire, is going to fire up the Titanic 2 project again. You think we're going to see a completion this time? Honestly, I think this is a billionaire's pipe dream. We've been reporting on this since, what, 2013? Mm -hmm. Now, it ran into a little bit of trouble in 2015 because um, the company that is the parent company of Blue Line, he created Blue Line as the company that was going to build Titanic. And it's owned by one of his bigger companies. That company got into a little bit of a financial dispute where royalties were owed to them. So that kind of caused everything to come to a grinding halt because the only option was to pay for it out of his own pocket. And billionaires don't do that. So he really needed to get this other thing resolved. It has now been. That was a $146 million lawsuit that has been settled in his favor. So now he's saying, yes, we're moving forward with this. Do I really think that this is ever going to happen? I kind of don't. I I mean, that's just my personal take. But maybe that's just because we've been reporting on it for so long and there's been next to no progress. I think the big question is, you know, whenever we report on this, it's very breathless. Like, you know, people are very anxious to sail on this ship. And there's really very little mention of the fact that Titanic sank. And that's what it is most famous for. Yes, it was a beautiful ship. But it is most famous because it sank. So I I can't help but wonder if there's sort of a lingering fear of that. Like, you know, do you really want to sail on this ship that is most known for sinking? Yeah, but I mean, if you look at the – I mean, you're going to have an extra safety deck now, um, advanced marine systems, pods. So basically you not only will invest in it, you'll be on that first test sailing. We'll broadcast live from that baby. (laughs) Um, just don't put me in the third class. Uh, so Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line is sending one of their ships to house workers that were, um, I guess, that are helping restore Boston after the, the great gas explosion. Right, exactly. So they have done a charter, and for the next two months, for October and November at least, they are going to send a ship up to the Boston area. Um, if you follow the news at all, you know that last month, I guess it was, in September, was this massive series of explosions throughout the Andover, Massachusetts area that, as far as they can figure, it was basically attributed to too much gas pressure in the lines. I mean, it was terrifying when you even read about it. Now, there's a ton of work that has to be done up there. And if they need some place to be able to put all of the workers who are going to be doing this work. So they're going to send this ship up to Boston, and uh, and it'll house workers. The they're supposedly going to start sailing their regular itineraries again in December, and they're asking anyone who is booked on any of the very, very many, because it does short itineraries. So there's a lot of itineraries that are being impacted by the cancellations. They're asking people to contact them. They'll try and get them on you know, one of their other sailings. They're offering a $100 onboard credit if you booked directly through them and are impacted. So it's got to be kind of a mess, although... Mm-hmm. Part of me thinks it might not be as bad as it seems at first because they do do a lot of shorter itineraries. I think a lot of people book them at the last minute, you know, that kind of thing. So it may not be quite as bad as if it was, say, a, you know, the Carnival Horizon or an NCL ship that had been chartered and was fully booked and had to suddenly pull out all of these uh, cancellation notices. All right. Well, moving on to the listener question here from Sierra. If you have a listener question, drop me an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. How does the NCL bid for an upgrade program work, and does this mean the upgrade ferry is officially dead? 
I don't know if she's officially dead, but she doesn't put in a lot of appearances anymore. <laughs> Certainly not at NCL. You do still hear about her on other lines. But what NCL has done is kind of smart. What you do is... A couple months before you're sailing, I'm actually going through this process right now, you get an email from NCL and it says, "Would you know, here is the room you are in now. This is the type of stateroom you are in. If you'd like to, you can bid for an upgrade. You then go to a special page that's set up and it shows you what rooms are available. Not the specific rooms, but the stateroom categories. You bid on the stateroom category and you bid – your bid is – for two people. So for example, if you bid $200, you're actually bidding $400 if the bid is accepted. Even if you have four people in the room, you're only bidding for two people. So that's one thing that's really important. The other thing that's really important to know is if your bid is accepted, you don't have any control over where that room is going to be. So it's almost like doing a sail away category in that, you know, maybe you're going from a balcony to a haven suite. You don't know which Haven suite specifically you're going to. You know the category, but you don't know the actual suite. It's it's a pretty nice system. What ends up happening is first the, the first round of uh, upgrade bids go out. Those people make bids, and then once they've been moved into their new rooms, all the empty rooms are filled. So it's sort of a, a cascading system upwards where balconies get moved into mini suites, mini suites get moved into the Haven, and that leaves all those other rooms below it empty, so they then fill those. It's kind of fun, kind of exciting. It's not great for people who need to know where they're going to be, but if you like to take a gamble, it's sort of a little bit fun. Richard, as always, thank you so much for stopping by. Have a good one, buddy. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. Every day, thousands of cruisers set sail to the Caribbean and are increasingly choosing their Shore excursions through cruisingexcursions.com. Why cruising excursions? With prices up to 60% lower than cruise lines, around the clock customer service, and guarantees that give you a peace of mind, why not? So, whether you're looking to zip line in Jamaica, snorkel in Nassau, or see Mayan ruins in Mexico, market leading specialist cruisingexcursions.com has you covered. Book your family's next shore excursion at cruisingexcursions.com. We'd love to hear your comments. Email comments at cruiseradio.net. Kat and her husband just returned from Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas out of Port Canaveral, and Kat joins us. Hey, Kat. How's it going? Good, thanks. You know, it's weird because uh, we live in the same city, and once again, we were right next to each other at Port Canaveral, and we missed each other. I know, right? I know, definitely. We got to do like a geolocating right. device. <laughs> exactly. So talk to me about this Oasis of the Seas cruise. What made you want to take this seven-night sailing out of Port Canaveral? So my husband kind of surprised me with this because um, our anniversary was actually in July. We were actually supposed to go on Oasis of the Seas July 1st. It just ended up not working out financially or time-wise for us. So we ended up having to cancel. So you know, my next cruise isn't until January. So that's when I thought my next cruise was going to be. And he's like, oh, yeah. So by the way, I booked a cruise for our anniversary, but I booked it the first part of August because it was a little bit cheaper. So it was like a surprise cruise for me. And it, we usually book very far in advance. We ended up booking it in March, which is 
short timing for us, actually. So you say it was cheaper. So the price point from when you wanted to go to when you actually went, like how much cheaper was it? Well, it was probably, I would say, a good five, $600 cheaper, you know, just because July is like a heavy cruise season just because kids are out of school. And, you know, so it's just, you know, they know that the demand is more. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they know they can charge a little bit more. So we're only like two hours away from Port Canaveral here in Jacksonville. So you drove down to the port. How was embarkation when it came to boarding Oasis? So embarkation, I think at the time, normally I would have probably been at the port by 10 or 1030 in the morning. Um, because I had breakfast, it, you know, put me a little bit behind. So I got there probably about 11, 1130 and it was packed. Um, it was a little bit more, you know, more crowded than I actually like it to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, I wasn't really too happy with that, but you know, I was just kind of like, oh, we're getting on the cruise ship. So, um, but it was, it was a lot more crowded having have done it again, I probably would try to be at the port a little bit earlier. How is the technology they're using during boarding? Because, I mean, every cruise line is starting to, you know, scan you way before you even get to the terminal, it seems. So how was it at Port Canaveral? Um, it was good. Now, I I know I've heard about the expedited um, set and sail pass card that they've started implementing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I took advantage of that this time, but I probably will for the next cruise. From curb to ship, how long did it take you to board? I would probably say maybe about 25 minutes. That's still not bad, though. It's still not bad. No, but I I know you. You don't want to wait. You want to get right on I don't want to wait. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, I want to get on. I just want to walk on. You are no stranger to these Oasis-class ships. So what was your first impression once you walked on board? Um, it was wonderful. I remember, um, you know, boarding Allure and it was pretty much almost exact like Allure. I know there's some differences between Allure and Oasis, um, but I didn't really notice too many, um, too much right off. Um, I remember back in 2016, the one thing I didn't want to do is head directly for the Windjammer. Mm-hmm. I headed directly for Central Park to get a roast beef sandwich. Um, was kind of let down a little bit because it didn't taste as good as I remembered on Allure. Mm-hmm. And it was very crowded in there. And I was kind of trying to find a seat was a little frustrating. <laughs> You know, that's one good tip, though. Like, people board the ship and everyone just automatically goes up to the the Windjammer Marketplace or whatever their buffet is called on there. And if you go to Central Park, the lines are a little less crazy, correct? Oh, they are, most definitely. Because there's so many, you know, food options mm-hmm. other than the Windjammer with being on an Oasis-class ship. There's, like, there's the Solarium Bistro. You know, there's Central Park Cafe. There's just so many more choices. The Wipeout Cafe is another one. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? Um, So my travel agent, we had tried to book this. this, this, We tried to book a guaranteed cabin for this cruise. It ended up not working out um, because... You know, I I had never booked a guaranteed cabin before, so I was going to try my luck. They ended up putting, you know, the end, I ended up changing it. But originally, 
where I got the selection for the guaranteed balcony was deck 14 right next to the arcade and adventure ocean. Hmm. So this is my anniversary cruise <laughs> where we have no children. <laughs> so, um, and you know, and I had heard, oh, you can't really hear them. They don't mess with you. And it's below the pool deck. The pool deck is on 15 and you can hear chairs moving up above. And, you know, so I always try to make my own opinion, but I didn't want to chance it. So I talked to my travel agents and said, this is not going to work out. Um, please put me somewhere else. Not going to work out. And I knew, you know, we wanted an ocean view balcony. So he ended up putting me and my husband on deck six, right next to boardwalk. Like you come out of the elevators, you go around the corner and bam, my cabin is right there. Love it was it. absolutely amazing. It was on the starboard side ocean view. And I absolutely loved it because it's so centrally located to boardwalk to, you know, central park is on deck eight, but boardwalk is right there. The promenade is right below on deck five. Every time I book an Oasis class ship from now on, and I actually booked a lure for next year, I booked it on deck six because I love the location. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. I mean, you could pretty much just leave your cabin, make a quick turn and you're out there on the stern of the ship. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, this is wonderful. I, and I had never really stayed. I mean, when I stayed on Allure, I think we were on like deck 10 or 11, something like that. I mean, it was my first time on Oasis class ship at that time, mm -hmm. but I absolutely loved this location. I'm like, this is fabulous. I can just, you know, it was so convenient because, you know, on the promenade, I, I like to go get my Starbucks every morning. Um, cause I'm on vacation. That's just one of the things I like to do. <laughs> so. And I don't blame you for that one bit. As far as the stateroom though, I mean, as far as the space uh, for the week you were there, did you find it to be adequate? Um, there was plenty of space, you know, um, I kind of got a little spoiled on my last cruise because I had a grand suite going from a grand suite back to a balcony room was a little hard because we were kind of spoiled and used to a little bit more room. <laughs> it was okay. You know, we had the couch in there and thankfully the bed was not near the closet because I don't, some cruisers vary on their opinions of, you know, when you get a balcony cabin, the ocean view or wherever, weathering, having the bed by the closet or having it by the patio is better. Some like it by the patio because, you know, you can just look outside and then some you know, want the couch by mm -hmm. the patio, but I absolutely was very glad that the bed was by the, you know, the patio, because that way I felt like I wasn't trying to wrestle, you know, for room, trying to get in and out of the closet. Well, it sounds like you had a great cabin. Let's switch gears and talk about the food and we'll start at the Windjammer. How was that? Um, it was really, really good. Had a lot of choices. Um, we did end up eating there a few times for lunch. We didn't really ever do dinner up there, but we did breakfast a couple times. Um, with having seven days, you've got seven days of being able to have so many different choices of food options. Um, and we kind of tried them all. Actually, we did some, and I'll get into that when, you know, when we get to that point, but we did some specialty dining this time. But yes, the Windjammer was great um, for breakfast and lunch. Like I said, we didn't eat dinner, but they offer a lot of choices as far as, you know, healthy options. And then some people like Indian food and, you know, they have different themed nights I've heard for dinner. Um, you know, if you kind of just want to have a casual 
dinner and not have to dress up and go to the main dining room and you can kind of just eat dinner whenever you want. And how was your experience in the main dining room and what time dining did you have? Um, so we had the 5.30 um, dining time, which I kind of liked mm-hmm. because I like being able to um, dine early and have like the rest of the evening to watch shows. Cause normally if I'm on a group cruise, I like a later dining time, Sure. Um, you know, because I'm, not as focused with, you know, doing activities and seeing shows because I'm more interested in hanging out with friends. But when it's just my husband and I or my family, we do the earlier dining time and it worked out really great. Um, We had a huge table. It was like a table for 10 people, but there was only uh, six of us. Yeah, there were six of us. It was two older couples and uh, my husband and I. But I mean, (laughs) it worked out good. How about the service and the quality of the food? I absolutely love it. We ate there most of the time. I think there was like um, three nights out of the seven night cruise that we did not eat there. But other than that, like the times we did eat in there, it was great. The Mm -hmm. service was wonderful. The um, head waiter and the assistant waiter were were very attentive and just very personable. Um, Had so much fun just being able to, you know see them do their thing. Everyone has a different experience in the main dining room, but it's refreshing to hear you say how good the experience was and how good the food is because, you know, and I'm sure you've heard it before, how people have said in the past with all the cruise lines, how the food quality has gone down over the years, but I don't Mm -hmm. see that at all. Do you? I don't. I really don't. I mean, there's some dishes obviously that were better than others. I mean, I think it all comes down to, you know, personal you know, taste and personal choices as far as, well, you know, let me try this. Mm, That wasn't as good as I thought it would be, but it's actually, the food is great. It just may not be your, your thing. But Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there were dishes that were better than the others, but as far as the overall, the food was great. Let's get to the specialty restaurants. And before we talk about those, did you buy any of these specialty dining packages? I know Royal offers some pretty good deals pre-cruise on these uh, packages. Um, I actually, the one that I did buy, it was called the first night done right. Basically, you can do your first night of your cruise at a specialty restaurant for half off. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm all about saving money. Um, so, and this was a special cruise. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. because we're celeb- I was celebrating my 21st anniversary with my husband. And I'm like, this is a special cruise. We've never done specialty dining. Let's, you know... Let's do the first night done right. I actually picked Giovanni's and I really, really love Italian food. Um, Here in Jacksonville, we have Carabas, we have Maggiano's. I mean, and it's kind of mainstream Italian food. So I had never been to Giovanni's, so I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even look at the menu. Um, and I maybe probably should have <laughs> before making my first night done right choice. I mean, it was good. It was good, but it wasn't as good as I thought it would be. Um, I had like the sirloin. I had kind of like a sirloin and some mashed potatoes. Um, but they didn't have as much like a different kind of Italian dishes as I thought they would, like mm-hmm. lasagna or chicken marsala or chicken parmesan you know you know you know your mainstream you know they had these extravagant you know kind of italian dishes which are great 
it just wasn't my style. It's it's more of an Italian steakhouse. I mean, it's you know, you're not it's not your typical Carabas or Olive Garden. It's more of like a Tuscan grill type place, correct? Yeah. 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 Okay. I think so. I think so. But I mean, it was it was very good. Probably next time I would like to try 150 Central Park because I've heard really good things about that. And then I was able to try another um, specialty dining choice and it was unexpected. One of my cruisers from my Royal Caribbean Periscopers group, unbeknownst to me, she left me a gift of being able to, at the front desk, uh, somehow she contacted, you know, loyalty ambassador and said, hey, I would like you know, this cruiser to be able to go to a specialty dining restaurant. So we had only planned on doing the first night done right. And my husband was like, oh, you know, I'd really like to try chops. And I was like, oh, we'll try it next time. But I found out that I was able to do two specialty dining restaurants. Nice. So we actually did do chops too. And I loved it. It was really, really good. Okay. Now, of course, I have to ask you, how was Johnny Rockets? Oh, it was good. You know, yeah. Johnny Rockets is, you know, it's just the burger and fries and shake and, you know, just the 50 style. It's like a fun restaurant. And I always make sure um, to eat a Johnny Rockets when on Oasis class ships, especially because they have the free breakfast. Now, are you going when you go to Johnny Rockets, are you rolling in there with a hamburger or are you going for like a chili dog? I think I did the hamburger. Okay. Yeah, I did the I did like a bacon cheeseburger. Nice. So what did you think about the entertainment on Oasis? Um, it was actually really, really good. I had been on an Oasis class ship before, so I kind of they usually have one Broadway show and then they have just different headliner shows and the comedy shows. Um the Cats was the Broadway show. I unfortunately did not get a chance to go to it. Um and I'm, you know, I do like Broadway shows, but I'm just, Cats is probably not one of my mm -hmm. more favorite. Um, so I selected to not go to it. Um, but I did go to the comedy show and it was really funny. There was two comedians. They did a really great job. Let's see, they have the headliner show, and that was really, really good. They had, like, a juggler and, you know, dancers. Um, they had Oasis of Dreams in the Aqua Theater. That was by far my most favorite ever. Mm -hmm. um, I always love the Aqua shows because of the element of water and the heights, and it's just always fascinating to me. The precision involved with an aqua show, too, because you have to time that right. The ship's rocking. The wind is blowing up there. If you're not careful, you're, that couldn't. That might not end too well, you know? Oh, yes, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was a really great show. Mm -hmm. It's I, awesome. There were some parts I didn't really understand what was going on, but it was still a great show. Yeah, a lot of oohs and ahs during that show. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to ask you about the casino for a moment and how it was with the smoke um, outside of the casino. I know there was a stairwell right there in the casino that kind of goes up one deck. But if you are outside of the casino, are you still smelling smoke? Oh, yes. Okay. Most definitely. Um, because down um, where Studio B is, mm. is kind of around where the casino is. And, you know, when you're getting on the elevators near there and you could definitely um, smell the smoke. I I know there was one occasion where I walked through there and it was really bad. 
It was really, really bad. Yeah. I didn't didn't like it at all. Gotcha. Um, as far as sea days with crowds and congestion around the ship, how was that? It's a ship that can hold 6,000 people. And so obviously on sea days, um, we elected to go to the solarium, which is the adults only area. And it was, it was quite crowded, but we were able to find, um, some jet chairs in the shade outside, um, the solarium right near the, uh, hot tub that extends out over the side of the ship, which is one of my favorite features, Mm -hmm. um, because you can kind of just get in the hot tub and look out the window and just see the world going by and, you know, ocean watch. And it's just really wonderful. How about the dining on sea days? As far as did you, could you experience any areas of mass congestion when you were going to eat? I don't really think so. I think the the only area that I really noticed on the sea days of mass congestion is the windjammer. Um, they had to make an announcement a few times, you know, hey, you know, when you're done eating, can you please get up and be courteous to your other cruisers that are trying to find seats? Um, I did notice that that was that was a little bit of an issue, um, but you know, we kind of we always have a game planned when we're on you know, a cruise and we're eating lunch in the Windjammer and it is a sea day. We don't automatically go for our food. We look for a table first, we find a table, we sit down and then we go get our food. Right. So it's just kind of worked for us. <laughs> what ports did you go to on this seven night cruise? It was an Eastern Caribbean um, itinerary and the ports were Nassau, Bahamas, St. Thomas and St. Martin. All right. So what we'll do is just start at the first port, give us a highlight, then move on to the next one. Make it quick and easy. Okay. That sounds great. All right. So our first port was, um, Nassau, Bahamas, and we had been to Nassau so many times. Um, and I hear a lot of cruisers talk about, oh, it's Nassau, Bahamas. We're just going to stay on the ship. Mm-hmm. The only thing with that is we would have stayed on the ship, but the last time we went to Nassau, Bahamas, we found a little hidden gem. Um, It is called, it was a flight simulator in Nassau, Bahamas, where you could go in. It's a 737 flight simulator. This is something that really um, was a great interest to my husband um, as, you know, he was in the army and Mm -hmm. he kind of, you know, that's just he one of the things that he likes to do. Um, and we said the next time we came to Nassau, Bahamas, we're going to come back and have him actually do it. Um, and that's exactly what we did. And it was it was really, really cool. Um, I took video while he did it. But it's you can pick the islands that you want to take off and land from. It is very, very realistic. It was so realistic. I was like, please don't crash the plane because we're going on a vacation and I really don't want to have nightmares about the next time I fly. Cool. So after Nassau, where'd you go? Um, So our next stop was, I think it was St. Thomas because um, we had like a shopping day in St. Thomas. We did an island tour on a very bumpy bus um, because it's very hilly and the bus wasn't really air conditioned very well. It was because uh, we had not planned any pre-excursions. We were just kind of kind of wing it, which I probably would not recommend that if you, you know, you want to kind of have a plan set out mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> as far as what you want to do. But we were just kind of just go with the flow. Yeah. And so we, it was fun. I mean, you know, we went we did some shopping and stuff like that. We went to the straw market. 
did a lot of, you know, a lot of shopping and it was fun. All right. And where to next? Okay. So St. Martin and these, um, St. Thomas and St. Martin were actually ports I was very much looking forward to because I had not been to those ports since 2006 and 2007. So pre-hurricane. And so I remember, you know, what they were. I kind of was interested in seeing, you know, how they had recovered from the hurricane, how they were doing. Um, And we could definitely see some damage in both islands. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're actually coming back very nicely. Um, In St. Martin, one of the big things that my husband wanted to do there again, he's he loves, you know, flight. So we went to Maho Beach and um, stayed there for a little while to see some planes land by the beach. It was very, very awesome and uh, had had a little bit of lunch there. Um, but it's not really a great beach if you want to do like a beach day because there's not really a lot of beach there. It's more if you're going to go to Maho Beach, it's more for the plane experience because we did Maho Beach and then we continued on to Mullet Bay. Mullet Bay is where, you know, is highly recommended as far as if you want to have a beach day because they have food there. They have these really nice chairs with umbrellas. I think it was like um $25 getting a umbrella and you know because I don't like to get sunburned at all and that was called mullet bay mullet bay okay mullet bay and the you know it's nice and calm and the water is absolutely beautiful and they have barbecue right there you can get ribs and just really awesome food how far was that from the ship mullet bay I would probably say because we took a cab to get there 15, 20 minutes. Well, it sounds like you had an awesome time, especially I, I really enjoy the fact that you when, like when you went to St. Thomas, you didn't even have a schedule. You just like, we're going to shop and just kind of do our thing on our own. That's really cool. Sometimes it's good to, to not have a plan. I mean, because we didn't really want to put down a lot of, you know, because it was, it we already paid a lot for booking it short in advance because we didn't get to save a lot of money with booking far in advance. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really have a lot of extra money to throw down on excursion. So we're just going to, you know, we thought it would be better just to kind of wing it and find something to do. And if, you know, sometimes you can find some really great deals with, um, booking excursions and finding things to do when you get in the community through the vendors, Mm -hmm. you can actually save money. You make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was the disembarkation process? Um, The disembarkation process was actually very smooth. Um, It was, I felt it was a lot smoother than the embarkation process. It was like from ship to curb. It was like maybe 10 minutes. Wow. Yeah, that and I quick. always use a porter. Now, looking back on this cruise, do you have any first? I mean, you're a, you're pretty much a seasoned Oasis class cruiser now. So, do you have any first time tips to offer people who are sailing on an Oasis class ship? My biggest tip is, you know, definitely do your research. Um, definitely figure out, you know, when you get on the ship where you want to have lunch because there's so many more options than just the Windjammer. Um, if you are a Starbucks junkie, Mm -hmm. like I am, um, the white with the drink packages, they do not cover the ultimate drink packages. Do not cover your Starbucks. The Starbucks is a full fledged Starbucks. So what you can do is preload a Starbucks card and you can use that 
to get your coffee all week long instead of having it, you know, charged to your, you know, CPAS card. So if you, if I went to Starbucks or loaded up a Starbucks card at Publix or whatever, I could actually use that card on the ship? You can use that card so cool. on the ship. I never knew that. On the ship. You can use that card on the ship because your your ultimate drink package does not cover Starbucks. On Only on Oasis class ships. It's only huh. on Oasis class ships because it is a full-fledged Starbucks. That is super cool. Any other tips you have to share? Um, no, that's pretty much, that's, that's my biggest tip because I absolutely love my coffee. You know, when I'm on vacation, I love to relax. I love to sit and watch the sun rise with my coffee in my hand. And so that's just like <laughs> ultimate vacation mode for me. I love it. Actually, you know what? Whenever we met here in Jacksonville, we met at a Starbucks, remember? We did. Yeah, off Southside. Very good. Yeah. Before we get to final thoughts, some rapid fire questions here. Favorite observation spot? Um, behind the aqua theater okay um because you can you get to see the aft of the ship and you can kind of yes the aqua theater behind yeah stairs or elevator elevator all right and must try food must try food is johnny rockets there you go and final thoughts of oasis of the seas don't let the size of the people scare you from taking this cruise because there is so many things to do and so many options for all age levels. Kat, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your Oasis of the Seas review. We sure appreciate you. Yes, most definitely. It's always great talking to you, Doug. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.